0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Book Record Beer Season 3, Episode 6. I am here as always, surrounded by my good friends, one Daniel DeFranco. Say hello. Hey folks. And Nick Gregorio.
1: It is such a lovely day out. I'm thrilled to be here, Nick. Thank you for having me.
0: <laughs> as am I. It is. It is a beautiful day. I like that it cooled down a little bit. A little bit. I was a little bit uh Yesterday uh, was hot. I was a little bit scared. As to what might happen when those skies opened in the night, Yo. you know, it was much like there was one all could kinds say of- the storm that starts brewing. Book <laughs> record cast. <weathercast. laughs> <laughs> in was- Steinbeck's *The Pearl*, which will be our book today, right? Uh, there is a very tense moment in the middle of the book where the winds start picking up, and uh, yeah, I- I'll tie it in there. So uh, this today's cast is a classic cast. One might say a canonical cast uh an origin story of sorts, so we have John Steinbeck's novella, I guess we could throw that I'll use that, that word we I think could that's use what that term, throw that out there yeah, because what novella is like twenty to fifty yeah, I think words. that's
1: all flexible though, I think it's all very fluid <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> so. yeah
0: it's like silly putty um and so we'll call it that uh the pearl. Fantastic. One of my favorite uh, stories actually. Uh we're doing Led Zeppelin One, Zeppelin's first uh release. And we are also doing Chickvar, the original Budweiser beer from the Czech Republic, but from a brewery much older than that of our countries. Uh so and that's an import. It is an import. Absolutely. So this is from the Czech Republic, product of the Czech Republic. It is their uh one of their original lagers, right? Actually I think it is the original lager, It's about seven hundred years old. Holy lord. Uh Pilsner Erkel is a Pilsner, and that's, you know, of course, what uh the Czech Republic is really known for. All of our malts are Pilsner malts that come from usually
1: that place. You would think a seven hundred year old beer would be a little more skunky than this smells.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh we will we will get into that. As we go through, I do want to start as usual, uh, introducing the fellas. Um, with this, I'm going to focus on um, people in the Pearl, right? Because the Pearl is oh, a yeah. canonical text, and when we're looking at it, uh, it's it, not a lot of good people in this book. No, no. Mostly <laughs> bad people. <laughs> it ends up, it ends up being, it ends up being a really well drawn novel. In that we see there is a central conflict that everything revolves around, but everyone's true selves are revealed once that happens as well so we get all this characterization but it's meaningless until the event happens which is of course uh our protagonist kino finding the pearl um, so i would say that uh, if i were to introduce these fellows, um daniel you though he is the younger brother you my friend i think would be the brother Juan Tomas.
2: Yes, and the Juan reason Tomas. the reason
0: being is because you uh, go out of your way to hide him, but you're a very realistic man when it comes to what Kino should do with the pearl and what he has seen happen when men like him have found the pearl in the past, bringing back the lineage of remember our father tried to do this this kind of thing. I feel like you would be not the cautionary. Uh, sort of character, but the one that, that, that tries to keep him tethered to reality for his own good a little hey, bit. He
1: does that now, tamps down all of my fun, <laughs> 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 so Listen, when
2: your house burns down, you can you can hide out. Right. Thank you, Daniel. <laughs> I appreciate
1: it. <laughs> 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 that
0: <laughs> that would be you and uh I would introduce um Nick uh as the um the young son. I think Nick would be oh, the young uh, son. Coyotito. Yeah. Uh, is that his name? Ki- I was going Coyoteeto. He cuz his head blown it off. It looks like Coyote. <laughs> well, <laughs> spoilers. That, that wasn't <laughs> no, the reason why. The <laughs> what the, 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 hell? the original reason why is because he's very uh, open to the world, and he has this. And he's a ch- he's an infant. Obviously, that's why had this sort of like uh, unabashed innocence to him.
1: Oh, that's very nice. That I,
0: that, I, that I feel like enables us to do things that uh, once we're jaded, we're unable to do. Oh, that's right. So nice. that's why I introduced you Oh, yourself. beautiful. In any
1: case. I hope I don't get the back of right. my skull blown off during I know. this show. I realize. I was, I was so focused
0: on like we're how these characters are introduced <laughs> yeah. that I didn't really take into account yeah. how they end up. Uh,
2: May you never be stung by a scorpion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: But sure. if I you are, are I, will I will suck the yeah. poison I'll out. I'll
2: suck. I want to suck it out. I think I should. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we can take turns. Uh, uh, now, Holly, Nick, if you were a character in uh, The Pearl, I'm going to go with... Um, fuck, they're all terrible after those two. You picked the two good characters. The only yeah. two good characters. Uh, it could be the
0: wife. She's pretty cool. She, is yeah, pretty she does cool. make
2: pretty awesome corn cakes in the morning. Yeah, You do feed me uh, kettle corn. There we go. Uh, <laughs> now, you're go. I'm going with grandfather. You're the grandfather who okay. built the boat. Nice. You, know, you taught your son... Who taught his son the secret like method that. of uh, shellacking it?
0: Yeah, I like that. Yeah, nice. Yeah, I will be teaching Gabriel some yeah? shellacking yeah. for sure. i <laughs> <Both laughs> well, not buildings. slack, I'm a shellack. I'll say that. <laughs> for sure. You can edit that in post. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So let's get a, um an overview Ooh. of the text. What we have here, um Steinbeck, as we know, is uh from California, about grew up about twenty miles from the Pacific Coast. Um where we're in is the Gulf of Mexico, that space uh sort of where almost the similar to Italy, that boots type shape shows up. Um that is called uh what is
1: that? La Paz. That's close.
0: I believe, yeah. yeah. Uh and so they are in a remote fishing village. Like very remote. Um they're in grass huts and what we have here is uh a young man has a new son, the child at the opening of the text is stung by a scorpion. Um, as we've noted, the wife sucks the poison out, but furiously looks to him and says, we're going to get the doctor. The entire uh, you know, sort of community is there. They realize this is like a huge ask. It's a big thing. It doesn't usually happen for their people. Um, and then that sort of like really is what moves the entire plot because the doctor obviously denies them because he knows they have no money. So Kino gets in the boat, goes searching for a pearl, finds one the size of a seagull's egg. And then I'm not uh, sure
1: how big that is. I'm imagining a little larger than a golf ball. I've
0: always thought a little larger than a golf yeah. ball because it's so large that when he does the next day try and go and sell it, they use this sort of tactic to say, "Oh, that's so that's an oddity nobody yeah. wants. That that's actually too big." Um, what are you going to do with it? You can't put it on a ring, uh, that kind of thing, Um, which is a clever argument. So he tries to sell it. Of course, this doesn't happen because he realizes he's being cheated. He goes uh, and then uh, says, you know what? I'm going to go to the Capitol and uh, I'm going to sell it there. And in the interim, uh, he's attacked a few times. People are trying to rob it. So he knows that it has to be of worth. And these people who are you know telling them that it wasn't before are clearly liars and then from there we see the family the baby the mother and uh the father all journey towards the capital and they are pursued by trackers um had a little bit of a reminiscence of like a, a no country for old men during that section i thought during the chase yeah the chase was pretty cool uh and actually I, rem- I didn't remember it as well yep. in, my, in my reread. I felt that there was a lot more intensity there than uh, previously. Um, but I wanted to start with something that um, really struck me and has always stuck with me about this story is the refrain of the song. So Kino yeah. is an uneducated yeah. man and there is this constant refrain throughout the text of the song of family is ringing in his ears and, and, and it's moving him to action and it's having him be courageous and, and, and doing these, very th- these various things. The song of evil shows up, the song of the enemy shows up, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, and so I wanted to uh, you know talk about that for a little bit, see what you guys take was, because that is certainly a refrain that goes throughout the entire text. Like yeah. n- it never goes away. Uh, Steinbeck used it as this really, I think, potent device. Throughout.
1: i would like to start if i may i just want to say this is my first reading of the pearl i did uh of mice and men uh in high school and i love that uh, i never really went back to steinbeck um so i heard was, east of
0: eden i haven't read that my yeah. brother said that's fantastic
1: yeah well i'll I tell you what i last night as i was finishing this i was like i want to read everything else right um
0: why but, what what what, what about his writing
1: it's evocative it's so evocative that um i don't know if it's my modern mind and seeing so much film being able to use the language and making really stunning images in my brain. Like when he was going under the water to find the, uh, the oyster, the boats on the water, like a ceiling in this emerald green water. And even
0: what the pearl oysters look like, that they are distinctly different from the oysters that you see, you know, they have those uh, sort of like trim and frill to them. Yeah.
1: And, um, and, like, when he comes up with the Pearl and the news of the Pearl spreads out faster than the people moving it, it was like a wave of, well, of the recognition. the community is one it organism, was, yeah. Yeah, it was just this – it was a cinematic experience for me, and I don't know if – I mean, obviously when this was written, that was not the case, but it, <laughs> um – We're on the radio. But, no, it was it was a shockingly beautiful language that – um that did that and the thing that with the songs struck me was I could hear the sounds of like a fire crackling and and um food being made and people talking going to work grass rustling all creating these songs having it be like very natural music and it was uh it was an experience to read this book I loved every second of it and every time the song came up I heard very real sounds
0: and you um, make them too yeah. which i think is very cool like what yep. is your song of the family right. he, he connects the reader in a really profound yeah. way and by doing that I, I absolutely agree i loved it yeah yeah most definitely daniel i thought it was good jesus christ <laughs>
1: <laughs> there he is tamping down everybody's good time <laughs> thanks bro hey you guys having fun <laughs> i just farted in here
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: i am the older brother yeah you get to sit in your head <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just looked that up while you guys were talking. Uh, Juan uh, Tomas is the older brother, not the younger brother. Oh, he brother. is the older yeah, brother. Older I'm brother, sorry. So. The wizened um, brother. Makes more sense. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't know why I put that in my head. Steinbeck is, he's like a nature guy. Yeah. He's very much uh, in tune with nature. I had not known much about him before looking at the uh, introduction to the edition I have here. Um, so that was very remarkable. that He kind of went away for a few years. He just like lived yep. up in... I don't want to say the mountains, but he kind of lived away from, from people. and He,
0: he didn't go thorough on it, but he's Not totally, yeah. yeah.
2: But he's got a deep respect for the natural world, and that comes through in his writing, even when he's talking about people. Yeah. Uh, at least in this book. I haven't re- I think I read Of Mice and... I don't think. I've read Of Mice and Men, but that was, that was it. I haven't read the other... Yeah. Well, other that works. has quite a
0: bit of that. Yeah. You know, you have these, these day laborers and different things that mm-hmm. are constant uh, sort of characters. Yeah.
2: So yeah, so he's he's big on nature, but also just the plight of of uh, I don't want to call it the common man, but I guess the common man.
0: Absolutely. Right?
2: Uh, you can yeah, certainly the say workers. That. Yeah. yeah. Like he is one hundred percent. Definitely uh, uh going to bat for for the lower classes, the people that yeah salt of the earth people. Yeah. Um in ways that like Hemingway and Faulkner well maybe Faulkner did Upton a little bit. Sinclair. But yeah, yeah. Exactly. Uh, so Ellie, my wife. She lived in California for, for a few years when she was uh, deployed in the Air Force. Um, it's a rough deployment. She's <laughs> <laughs> uh, she she eating avocados
0: you know, every day. Every day. Yeah, <laughs>
2: they're silly with avocados. <laughs> uh, so every once in a while, a couple times a year, she'd take a drive down to Monterey to hang out. Mm. There was a Steinbeck Museum in that kind of coastal area. Yeah. Uh, and that was sort of my first, um, I guess... That's where I'm looking for interaction with Steinbeck as an adult. It's like, oh, he's this guy that, like, lived in this very peaceful, nature-filled area that's very calm and beautiful. Yep. So I think I had Salinas, that. Salinas, California. Yeah, yeah. So I had that coming into reading this sort mm-hmm. of already. So, uh,
0: so the 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 songs kind of make sense yeah, in that way that there is absolutely almost like a music to where he's from. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I absolutely agree. I I have never been there, but um, I don't see how that is such a central that area is such a central component to all of his stuff. Like East of Eden is essentially the tale of his family. And that's arguably his masterpiece that always gets like regarded so highly by critics and, and stuff. And um, that's set in the same area focuses on the workers and how these families sort of like build the area mm-hmm. essentially. And, and yeah, he really, he really does have sort of like this music that he's attuned to. And I think it really does come from that area. Cause if you have, you know, you go to a coastal village or town or anything like that. And the, the, the wind is different and the smells are different and the sounds are frankly different because of all those things, you know? Yeah. And uh, so I, I, just love that he employed music to connect the reader to the tale and to, and, and, and the other characters like, you know, uh, you could see, and, and this is sort of my next thing is, is we're talking about, this is a, um, a traditional uh, myth almost um, tale that's been, that's been told uh, um, in the Mexican uh, villages, right? On the other side of California, um, this is something that's a traditional folk tale uh, that he has taken and sort of um, repurposed here and turned into the pearl. Um, but it is one that has existed for a really long time. And so, my my other thing is, what do we think in terms of his use of race uh, and race relations in the in the story and and what his handling of that was? Um, because it is, I think, you know, at this time it probably wouldn't have been nearly as frowned upon or, frankly, as, as critically examined to take a traditional folktale from a, a, a culture that you're not a part of and then turn it into something that you could profit from, right? I mean, now I think that that would be really, really critically, um, not critically examined, but more criticized. Uh, and, and here, and I don't know if he was criticized much for this. I think it's just such a good piece of writing that people saw or thought gave him the credit of doing it justice. But I was wondering what you guys uh thoughts were on that in terms of like the race relationship. We see in the story, there's obviously a class relations and also race relations uh within it. But of course we have Steinbeck, an American who's writing a Mexican folktale and, and publishing it.
1: Well, um uh, as a writer, I try and write things that I don't know. Sure. That that's sort of my as a challenge yeah instead of writing what you know i was sort of taught to you know do something else right um there are certain things that I, i i wouldn't touch mainly because it's not at all my experience because even the stuff i don't know i'm applying my experiences to it yeah um so when it would come to taking uh another race or cultures uh folk tales and turning it into something of my own i would not probably venture to do so um just from uh, i don't know if i'd be able to feel it uh, feel like it was a genuine piece um so
0: so there might be some
1: right like for instance i have uh, where i teach i teach english lit um and i teach uh a a entrepreneurship (laughs) curriculum um no matter how many times I go through that curriculum, no matter how often I study it, no matter how much I prepare, I never, ever feel like I am doing it justice, mainly because I would never in my life try to be an entrepreneur. That's not a risk that I'm willing to take, and I am constantly uncomfortable in it. <laughs> so um, I think that applies to this as well. Yeah. Um, it, it certainly would be um, criticized for that. Um, uh, the word escapes me you, you're usurping appropriation appropriation yeah. there it is you're you're appropriating um a culture for your own and that's
0: and so do we see any points in the text where we where we felt like ooh, like maybe not a cringe but but um oh man this might have been had it come out now nah, this might have been one where they would take them the task for it you know because hmm. um, just from my memory in the very beginning none of the natives are speaking Right, it even says uh, Kino and his wife are not. Uh, they don't. They don't speak to one another. And so at first, I was. I was like, Oh, they're not. They're not talking. That makes them seem simple. It makes them seem mm. sort of like not savage, but certainly, sort of like basic or simple or stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, but
2: he said that they didn't speak because they didn't have anything to say to each other because they knew each other we so well. It. Exactly. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. Um, but none of the um, uh, other folk in the in the village, once the babies. Bit by like they all show up, mm-hmm. um, but no one's really speaking. Uh, there's there's not a whole lot of speaking going on. But it's we like know the there word.
2: is because the word spreads. Throughout right. Yeah. The, so it's like whispers yeah, and different things like this that. Force. So movement. so.
0: But that's the thing. What I was gonna say is, and and once I thought about it, I felt like there was a very just at at its core a a human experience going on here, regardless of culture or race. Like you you know, if it might not be a pearl and it might not be pearl divers, but it could certainly be you know. Uh, uh, oil right mm-hmm. and 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 something like that and something that that might be more easily related to uh, the American culture and stuff like that so that's what got me over it got me past it because I think now we all have a, a, a hypercritical lens for this type of thing Um, and so I know I was very quick to be like "Ooh, would this you know plus I remember loving it and I wanted to go back and see like does it does it hold up you know because some of our older writers did have things in there that wouldn't be sort of acceptable yeah
2: I think the way Steinbeck handled it added to uh, like a mystical slash yep. dreamlike quality. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Very true. And almost it, like
1: magic realism.
2: Yeah, right. But without the magic.
1: Well, the way the way the the way I, I always I pictured that force of just knowing a thing mm. like that, that spreading of news mm-hmm. as being sort of this force, whether yeah. you call it magic, but whatever. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead.
2: If Jonathan Franzen wrote this and it came out today, there'd be probably big problems. <laughs> right. So I think there's right. a sign of the times. I mean, when you think about the uh, you know the American canon, the the great American novel, it's all uh, old white dudes that probably said some racist shit, sure. to each other or you know in their in their circles. I don't get this sense Steinbeck. I don't get
0: it from it? Steinbeck. I really don't. Yeah. By the end, like I was, like I was saying, I was being hypercritical. but by the end, I really didn't feel. I was like yeah he's a good dude.
2: Yeah, but like Hemingway <laughs> and Faulkner and the other giants. Yeah. Oh, uh, it's like Light
0: in yeah, August, come on. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah, there's you <laughs> know.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not cool. I like, <laughs> no, read it recently and I yeah. was like no,
0: it's not cool. Yeah. I I I wouldn't recommend it. To no, yeah. Yeah, um, so but this, yeah, is is fantastic. I think
2: I think because Steinbeck again, this is just my own impression of the man of only reading the introduction and doing some light internet reading and just, you know, my wife's opinion of him of uh, I think he was just a very sensitive soul, and I don't think mm-hmm. he would have treated anything with uh, less than uh, I don't know, I guess the reverence it deserved. Sure, uh, but I mean, uh, well, I guess we can't saying that. We also can't ignore the fact that he just rewrote another culture's right uh, and, and, folk and tale
0: put it through his you know you know particular and wha- yeah litera- you know literary genius one might argue. And what know? did he
2: do with what did he do with his accolades and you know? Uh, you know did he give how did he give back sure i think that'd be a question did we'd ask now back. you yeah. know we would be very uh quick to point out yeah if you're like, profiting yeah where
0: you know are you paul simon you know yeah are you just gonna yeah. fucking use these native g- groups for your backing vocalists right. and, and, then and then not never pay them a the time yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so you know
2: that'd be interesting to kind of follow up did did steinbeck uh i don't
0: know start a retirement home for pearl divers. I don't know, you know, (laughs) (laughs) who knows? Yeah. And, and, and I think, you know, here's one of the, the real, and I'm going to read it, you know, uh, we don't really do this usually, usually, but I'm going to do it because I think this is a really profound piece, um, passage and it speaks to kind of what we're talking about here. So it says, uh, this is right after, uh, the baby is, is bit. And, uh, his, his wife says, listen, we're going to the doctor. Right. So they get to the doctor. Um, And one of their people, right? one of Kino's uh, people, is working for the doctor. So he's the one that answers the gate. You guys are nodding because you fucking know. (laughs) Kino hesitated a moment. This doctor was not of his people. This doctor was of a race which for nearly 400 years had beaten and starved and robbed and despised Kino's race and frightened it too so that the indigen came humbly to the door. And as always, when he came near to one of his race, uh, one of this race, Kino felt weak and afraid and angry at the same time. Rage and terror went together. He could kill the doctor more easily than he could talk to him. For all of the doctor's race spoke to all of Kino's race as though they were simple animals. And as Kino raised his right hand to the iron ring knocker to the gate, rage swelled in him, and the pounding music of the enemy beat in his ears, and his lips drew tight against his teeth. But with his left hand, he reached to take off his hat. Hmm. At such a, I mean, the whole thing is just packed with, I I literally wrote a note to myself underneath that that said, this is America. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and that's exactly how it, how it sort of felt like that right now there is this reckoning. And during this time, there was just this, this acceptance coupled with rage, you know, and it, to me, that really summed up so much of what Steinbeck must've, I guess, not prophetically at that point, but must've really, really seen when he looked around, you know, that this is, that this is something that exists and, and everyone knows, you know, and this is how we operate in this in this weird mix of hatred and rage uh, and, and with a sheen of just false respect or something like mm-hmm. that. Um, and so I don't know. I picked that out. I don't know if that passage struck you guys at all, but that seemed oh, to yeah. sum it up for me.
1: Yeah. That that it, it Also, interestingly enough, you know, in that passage, it, it's like they were looked upon as animals. Right. And then at the end of the book literally everybody in the scene was being described as such yes um kino nude crawling across the rocks like a lizard or a serpent the trackers running around like dogs with cigarettes hanging out of their mouths you know it was yeah. like everybody is reduced to these animalistic yes. um
0: just savage beasts
1: yeah um and it's very interesting that you know that was mentioned so early in yep. the novel and how it, it was almost like a level playing field at the end when even the mm-hmm. so-called civilized man was reduced to a dog yeah because of their greed right yeah yeah right and that's yeah. what it comes down to you know and y-
0: yeah everyone sort of is um described in relation to the pearl and the fortune that might be now brought into the world and so that's one of the big um I think, philosophic things that Steinbeck brings in this is this idea of once you say it, it's now in the world and it now exists. And this this idea of and perhaps this is where the magical realism or the magic shows up is this idea of being able to conjure something, Um, because when they have the pearl and all the, 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 the villagers are surrounding Kino's hut and stuff like that, and he's going, I will have a rifle. And his mind is running wild in a way that it never could before because he never had the means before to even think this way. So why would you? And there's this idea to me of contentedness, um, oppression, and then wild greed. You know, these are all just major parts of the human experience. And what we see here is he's sitting there. I will have a rifle right and and people are a little taken back by that and a little bit frightened actually because it's obviously a weapon and it's something that is associated with the oppressor you know right. and so so it's almost like i saw it you know because this is my lens in more of a marxist type way of taking the means of oppression back and right. you know ultimately in the end he does have the rifle it's the only thing he gets but right. he loses the sun right you know um by that you know sort of uh, means as well. So, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, what did you guys uh, think about that? The, this this philosophical idea of being able to conjure something and just by saying it, you've now made it so.
2: I think it's very hard to will something into existence. But he does. What did he will into existence exactly?
0: He willed into existence what ultimately ended up being the motivator for the rest of the the, the text is that because he said this thing, he has to now pursue it. Had he not pursued it, right? Had he let his wife throw that pearl back into the ocean Gone. you're right. We should have done that from the beginning. He pursues it because he thinks to himself, I have put it out there. It must now be so, right? Otherwise he'd be a fool. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, I think there's a difference between willing (laughs) something into existence and also, uh, following a path. Uh, So it's
0: not faith versus free will. Yeah. I don't think so.
2: Yeah. Yeah, he I agree with you. Yeah, he I don't think he felt like shit. Now I've got to do this so I don't look like a fool in front of these people. Mm-hmm. You know, he did it because you know, he
0: wanted to. He wanted these things. Right? But there's also this level of expectation that that one puts on themselves. I know like if I say I'm going to do something, I really force myself even though it might be completely against my own intellect and 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 health you know like i i i I go and try and 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 attack it i think that's true for a lot of people yeah bias extremes for me
1: i mean i like everyone i don't say much of what i'm thinking because much of what i'm thinking is horrific (laughs) (laughs) Um, but um i find often that when i do verbalize um my thoughts they become like a uh,
0: a goal? or Yeah,
1: a like a goal. Yeah. Like a thing I need to... just once g- you
2: say it, it's got to be. So, so you don't look like a fool. I mean, there's a there's well, a beautiful even, moment in the book where yeah. he says you know, they could point back to that moment where they'd look back and they say that was the moment where he changed his yes. own uh, tide.
1: Of, this was uh, two days before the pearl. and That... Like you know, yeah. Well, well, this was the
0: moment when he, it's that moment yeah. when he's saying those things, mm-hmm. and he goes, and that's the big one, and that's another thing I wanted to talk about. Where he he ends up, the, the biggest thing he says is, "And my son will go to school," yeah. and that's where everybody's like, oh. "That's that took everyone's breath that, away." I mean, yeah. yeah, it really, it really does, because that and, and it scared him. It, he, just, it he had frightened to stop him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he had to whoa 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 perhaps, perhaps <laughs> I've gone too far yeah. but, and, and just think about that education is the thing that, that, that is too far you yeah. know what I mean that, that really but when he thinks about when we look at him going to the doctor and the doctor then shows up after the pearl and of course the doctor in his mind is like oh I'd love to get back to Paris right Mm. and and his whole thing is like i can use that wealth to do that Mm -hmm. the church the priest goes ooh, don't forget about your old pal jc yeah did the uh (laughs) did that baby get baptized did you get married in the church oh the church could use some repairs you know things like that that's the first thing that comes into his head when he hears about Mm -hmm. the pearl right we see everybody's relationship and sort of their character come their true character come out when they hear about the pearl and um but what i was going to say was in that in that moment uh, where he's where he's putting out there, absolutely, that's where they, they go. One of two things is going to happen. That was where Kino became the man that we see today, mm-hmm. the successful man that he that exists now, and you see in front of you walking around like that. Uh, I was there when I saw that man manifest. His face changed, and this, that, the third. Or, <laughs> and and Steinbeck, literally the set, the next line is, yeah. or... This is why he's destitute. This is why right. he's in that state that he is. This is where we saw him fly off the rails. He was a dick. What a <laughs> dummy. Yeah. What a. Yeah. Like he was thinking like. What a, a douche. Dudehead. His son's <laughs> going to go to school dressed like a sailor. Like yeah. what? That, was, that was pretty wild. <laughs> what an asshole like, that guy geez. was. Yeah. So it's like literally there's no in between. There's no. Oh, it's a guy. Guy who made a mistake, or a guy who, who who you know get, got uh, overwhelmed, made a mistake. This the the world crushed him, something yeah. like that. No, it's either he he successfully becomes this thing, or he's a fucking idiot. I worked yeah. with
1: a guy in a meat room in an Acme who had won a, like many millions of dollars in the lottery. Went no to shit. Las Vegas for a month, spent it all on hookers and drugs, Holy and came shit. back and was working at the meet room with me an 18 year old kid and i'm just like what a fucking idiot (laughs) 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 so when he said what an asshole i was like ah there it is right there (laughs) wow it's true though that and
0: that that really is yeah what is it 95 percent of people win the lottery within five or six years have lost it all it's all gone oh i totally lose it
2: would you oh yeah (laughs) I think I'd give it all away, though. See, that's the thing. Is, I'd is buy all my Peter belt Big, Big
0: Rig
1: and just start driving, just, baby. <laughs> Well,
0: it's just like we see in the story. All the people start thinking about yeah. how the pearl affects them. It's yeah. not their pearl. It has nothing fucking to do with them. Right. But everybody starts thinking about how the pearl affects them. And their true character comes out. Some of the natives are going, oh, man. just they're, And I like them the best because they're going, imagine if it was me. Yeah. That's the most realistic, I think, normal response. Like, imagine if it was us. Oh, wow, what will we do with that? Not... Ooh, I wonder how I can get my peace. Which is such a yeah. shitty fucking thing. It was if, only if, it's yeah. frustrating to me to see that. Yeah. It's all the it's all the, the presumably white, white yeah. you know, wealthy people who are thinking that, the doctor who wants to go back to Paris, the yeah. uh the priest wants to repair his, you know, and make his uh his church and and presumably his home right there, yeah. the rectory gigantic and beautiful as well. This
1: is actually another <laughs> So, my wife and I were driving last night in her car so her radio was on and it was the powerball's like five hundred million dollars or whatever. And the, the radio host, as expected, was asking this stupid question of what would you do? Call in now to Q102. And he's uh, this one woman calls up and Why are you she says, to Q102? my wife likes it. Okay. It was in her car. <laughs> um, <laughs> and the woman calls up. She goes, I would buy all of my neighbors out of their houses so I wouldn't have to deal with them anymore. I thought, I, oh, thought
2: I thought about that this morning on well, my run. I, I was th- like, if I had a pearl. I'm
0: totally <laughs> just buy
1: your whole your well, whole block. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it was it was actually shocking to me now that we're discussing it. Like then I was like, ah, that's pretty funny. Ah, and I was yeah. like, this is what we've become. Yeah. We're 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 buying everyone else's homes just to be rid of them.
0: Go fuck yourself. It's I, as if yeah. people
1: You looked you looked me right money, in the eye
2: when you said that. I
1: <laughs> It's as if people with money, money. <laughs> if given the power and the means would put up a wall (laughs) (laughs) uh,
0: moving forward uh one of the one of the things (laughs) that i also wanted to um to note with that you know looked at that passage like this is america type thing is um dear god the idea of one person being in charge of all the pearl buyers And them all actually like the just the veil, you know, that's the the great, the great Oz. (laughs) Oh, I mean, how has this and I want to really this is this is one of the bigger things that I I, I, that struck me is this is canonical literature, right? Yeah. We have certain texts that, you know, the vast majority of people read and 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 things like this are constant in those texts. This, uh, you know, just alerting the masses, hey, this is what—if it's not happening, it can happen. So keep your fucking eyes out, mm-hmm. and yet we still allow it to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's maddening.
1: Not only allow it to happen, we encourage it to happen. We participate yeah. in it,
0: right? Every time you go to an insert gigantic store here, you're participating in yep. it, right? Which everybody is guilty of. Yep. And 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 I wonder if it's now we've gotten to a point where. They're alerting us. A lot of the texts that we're talking about, the canonical literature, is from quite a, a long time ago. I'm wondering if, then, perhaps a decade or two hence, you were able to do something about it, and now it's too entrenched, shackled, right? You know, and mm-hmm. and, and, and I wonder what. Um, Jill and I were speaking about this uh, the other day. I wonder what one could do. Like like if, if he's alerting us to this, break type up stuff, the banks. Like, is it a matter of just boycotting, like keeping your mattress full of cash? Like, what, what is it? Because like, what are you getting, like, 0.65% if you're keeping anything in the bank anyway? Like, what right. the fuck's the point? Other than you can pay your bills without having to send out a fucking envelope.
2: I did well, a, I mean, there's the options, hmm. right? You don't have to get into it super deep, but credit unions, they're smaller. Right. You uh, can get checks and things uh, like mechanisms
1: that. Mechanisms that are not... Yeah, but and, that's higher. That's things, like yeah. you, you're the only house in on the block who gets solar power. Yeah. You know what I mean? Going to a credit union, going to your local farmers market. Yeah, these I, are all small things. They're good things. They're positive things, and they should be encouraged. However, like to think that it can change something.
2: Yeah, I guess. I it's, guess. I think a lot of people just don't give a shit. That's, most people
1: don't give a shit. Well, so, yesterday uh, I went to. I wanted to get a Captain Marvel T-shirt. And I wanted to do that because um, there's only been one major movie in in the last four years that has been starring a woman, and it was a superhero character. And I grew up with superhero characters my whole life that looked just like me, so I could put myself there. right? right? And Wonder Woman, Captain Marvel comes out, and they both happen to be very good superhero films. I don't know why they had to make them women.
0: They both. No, kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but you see my point so my they do my, look I, like you both of those yeah <laughs> actually, actually
1: actually my point was this um having people have superheroes that look like them is important black panther right. wonder woman it's important um and i went to get a captain marvel t-shirt yesterday to support that sort of thing but i did it at an old navy for eight dollars there you go um and I was keenly aware of that. So who, who are you really
2: supporting? Exactly. Yeah. You know, well, your message yeah. is supporting one thing, but your dollars are exactly. supporting exactly. something else. Exactly.
0: And, and what moves, the, I think that's the big thing here is, is, is Steinbeck is really pointing out to us, like what actually moves the world? Like we can have all this ideology and thought and, 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 and even conviction, but what actually sort of, you know, Thoreau speaks to this in civil disobedience as well. What actually is moving things, right? It's why he didn't pay his taxes that would have gone to the Mexican-American War is money. Right. You know, and and, and it's, it's at the invention of that right. that we see, you know, what has actually been, Chaucer talks about it, Thoreau talks about it, right? Canterbury Tales, Civil Disobedience, they both are pointing out to us very, very clearly money is the thing that has actually corrupted humankind since its inception. Yeah. And this is another one that just adds to that list of canonical literature that is saying exactly that you know? And I think what we're actually seeing here with these, you know, this movement towards uh, smaller homes, sort of not living off the grid per se, but like living in a more remote sort of way or a more um, uh, transient kind of uh, fashion that we're actually seeing people are pushing back pretty, pretty heavily on that, you know? Um, And I think that my take from the Pearl, if I were to take something now from when I read it when I read it as a child I loved it because of the writing and I loved it because I really thought that he was he was he was trying to tell me you know just be aware of other people be 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 wary of everybody and everything and frankly I thought when I was a kid even that the major thing was education mm-hmm. know your shit right because if uh, uh, Kyle Tito is educated as um, Kino hopes, he'll be able to tell him when the doctor's throwing him a line of bullshit. He'll be able to justly say, what he just put in my mouth is going to make me sick. I'm not sick right now, right? Which is what, what happens, yeah. obviously. And, and and I think Kino actually has this this moment uh, of introspection where he goes, one day, he'll be able to tell me what's in the books. Yeah. Right. I'll know what's in the books. Glad you brought and that the up. books were,
1: were, were looked at as a religious text, and this obviously has a very religious root Mm-hmm. in the in the text so it's, it's wild
0: and it's it's interesting to say and I, I you know i said it to uh some of my students when we were doing uh civil disobedience a little while ago uh i was like do you know when, when when we're thinking about you know education and and things like that we now have the internet right we now have this thing that it's it's for everybody honestly and i had them just you know honestly do you use it to give yourself the knowledge so that you don't get taken by charlatans, so that you can actually, you know, be informed. Do you use it for that? Do the majority of people you know use it for that? Because it should be that. Mm-hmm. It's the easiest free library we have, you know? Um, and, and it speaks to Steinbeck's point. Yet, the vast majority said no.
1: And yet, like what, 50% of adults haven't read a book since high school?
0: Exactly.
2: <laughs> My... Uh, instructional coach at school. She's she's in her seventies. She taught for uh, I think last year she celebrated her fiftieth year in education. Wow, um, it's insane. That is insane. So I was talking to her about the I pearl her. in I'm Philadelphia too. You know, 10. yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Uh, uh, we we didn't talk about the book because I had not finished reading it by the time we were talking about. It, but she said she used to teach it all the time, and she said the her biggest struggle with teaching it was trying uh, was getting the kids to understand that the the same person owned all the all the pearl buyers
0: and that gets said three four times
2: yes it's somehow right there. yeah
0: it could not be more clear yeah. right yeah they and just, yet
2: you know you're teaching this to ninth grades you know ninth graders they're just not you know it doesn't affect them i think when you're i think i think the problem with having these lessons in in the canon is when you're being shown the way the world works you just don't care because you're just figuring out how your own body works, how you navigate the world, and I, these larger things. Like it just, it's I think too that's much.
0: Part of well, I, yeah, and I think that's part of it. Is you, you're right. It is. It is such a. Um you know, not in a negative way, but it's a very selfish time for them. You know, right. really, uh, they they and and they should be like, w- what the fuck's going on? They can't with me right now. Yeah, exactly. I didn't ask to be here. I didn't ask to. I was I not need- supposed to work today. But <laughs> I was going. Also, there. also, 37? I think that it's terrifying. I think that it's very scary for them to actually go. Wait, that's how the world works. Yeah, because I do see that. Right. I. I they. They definitely see aspects of that right, there's no way that they don't see that As some kids brought up the um they other day when we were talking about we, monopolies came up with Silisbe, and they were like, "Oh yeah, I know one dude who owns every corner store in like this huge chunk of south philly mm-hmm. right and 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 he changed the prices are different in 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 various places, and he has different things in different places because he's he's playing people right
2: so, same thing down on Main street. There's only like four or five people that own all the buildings on main street exactly. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that's why buildings on Main Street and Chestnut Hill can can one remain guy closed for a year if and no, not two
2: or
1: three. Yeah, or and nothing anything. happens. It's the same thing with with uh, Germantown and Chestnut Hill. Yeah, the, the, I think it's like one guy owns the majority of the properties on that road. So I think about this well, it's all like the time.
0: Rittenhouse Square. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my old principal's uh, h- ex husband, Dom, owns all of Rittenhouse Square pretty mm. much.
2: Yeah i th- it's not i think about this all the time as if i hit the uh the lottery if i found the pearl right. uh
0: that's how we should say it we should remove hit the lottery from our if if I I found the, the pearl. pearl found the pearl
2: okay if i found the pearl uh, one of the things i would do is i would buy all of the buildings on main street in manhayunk of uh, and i don't know if that would fix the problem (laughs)
0: well this is what he's arguing you might become drunk on power you might be go and my cat will go to school (laughs) well why why would there
2: why would that not be a good idea to put a cat school into one of those empty buildings and i know it can be funded because i've got the pearl jesus there'll be no building empty
0: just the just the genuineness with which you said that was uh was awesome but you know in the end uh my major take now and i think it has a lot to do with my 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 new lens being one of a uh, that of a father is looking at how it seems so the world seems that much more oppressive like the lens becomes that much more and i and i thought that way for a long time but now when you have this uh, person that you're, you're, you're meant to be a caretaker of, and and to show what the world looks like, and to and to and to guide through that, um, you know. And there's all this. The, the, it comes up a few times. Of don't forget, our father tried to do this, right? He, the older brother, tells him, our father tried to get with the other pearl divers. It's 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 almost like a caste system. We've been pearl mm-hmm. divers our entire lives, and don't forget our father. They they all banded together. Almost it's almost talking about they unionized. They got this person to bring their pearls yeah. to the capital, and they got had to get better uh, prices. And the dude stole the pearls. Right. They tried another time. Dude stole the pearls. So then they abandoned the idea completely. And he goes, "Don't forget, you know, this is sort of like what people are like. You know, what I mean, what what can happen? Shitty. And yeah, and yeah. and and it's one of those things where you 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 kind of. It's funny because I, I I held out. I think more hope when I was a, a single person, and now that I have uh, someone to, to, to guide and, and show a family, yeah, yeah I, I, I'm I really acutely aware of just how shitty things really can be and aren't, and, and the extremes and sort of inhumanity of, of mm-hmm. people at times yeah. uh, that I didn't really... It was almost like I was looking through rose colored glasses, and I was really cynical mm. and very <laughs> jaded. And I think now, holy fuck, like how did, you, you know? And, and but you also have this other thing is, is then, and this is where I'm going to leave it. At the end, we see the son is, of course, killed.
1: Like right? I said at the beginning of
2: the show.
0: Yeah. He's shot. Who and shot for, him?
2: Was that Kino or was it one of the other people? It was the, it was which, the, it
0: was the, the guy. The gun went off just as Keno's about to attack right. the, the horseman. Uh, oh my God! What a gun. violent scene!
1: Who, buddy?
0: God! And, oh my and, God! I mean, and he's 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 just this dark mass on the rock coming yeah. down with a mm-hmm. gigantic knife hanging around. And he his hacked neck. him
1: from his neck to his sternum. Yeah, oh. I mean, because it's a it's a uh, and he cracked one dude's head open like a watermelon. Oh yeah, <laughs> like, oh I mean, my.
0: it's a, well, it's a, it's a gigantic uh, machete. It's yeah? huge, you know. Bam! Crucible. I mean, and and uh, in any case. That to me lets me think Steinbeck is though he's just like seems like a very like sensitive soul and stuff like that. He is acutely aware uh, of, of this evil that Violence. exists. Yeah, and, and 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 to end it that way, God damn! Like it really is a rejection of worldly possession. I think. Yeah. And ultimately, you know, <sighs> try and be contented because that's all you can do. Yeah. Yeah,
2: man. I think you've said it all, brother. I think we. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks
0: for co-signing that. I was <laughs> 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 just trying to. Just he could have <laughs> just went.
2: Nope. <"Yup." laughs> <laughs> that was good stuff, man. No, I, I mean, I definitely agree with everything you said, and um, it's. I guess this is sort of a cautionary tale. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. Definitely worth a reread if you haven't read it in a very long time. It's one that you know I don't I, I don't have the uh, opportunity to teach it in my curriculum, but I'm wondering if, if there's a way to uh get this or something like it back into a curriculum in school. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. I give this thing uh ten out of ten pearls on a necklace. I'd agree.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I yeah. I, I would tell you with I one had,
0: gigantic uh, fucking seagull pearl in the middle. <laughs> the heart of the ocean.
1: I had a a wonderful experience reading this book, like I said earlier. Um it it was it was beautiful in a lot of ways and harrowing in many others and um I, if you haven't you got to read it yeah I mean, it, it's wonderful absolutely. Just, just from a language standpoint alone
2: it's like wonderful. we said in the beginning absolutely yeah. yeah what's what's the other one my wife she's big steinbeck fan as i mentioned she's we got a whole bookshelf of
0: mice and men i've read it yeah
2: east of eden uh, east of eden uh, yeah, is, is his is, master
1: okay.
0: arguably his masterpiece yeah.
1: grapes of wrath
0: wasn't no, the East of Eden, because East of Eden is like 650 pages or yeah. something. It it really, I mean, it, it just chronicles yeah. these two families, and and I think it takes a lot of the themes that we see in Grapes of Wrath, The Pearl, even, and um of Mice and Men, and just, I mean, just pulls them out. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's 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 like taking a fucking gauze pad and just stretching it.
1: No, I I mean I I said it earlier, I, I want to read all of his stuff. 'Cause I just had such a wonderful experience with this book. It's terrific. Yeah, next on my list
0: is East of Eden, yeah. my yeah. B- Michael, um that's one of his favorite books. Hmm. Yeah. Right on.
2: I'm gonna check that out. Uh, I couldn't help but uh I'm a I I like Hemingway, uh whether his personal politics and stuff are uh yeah, I'm still coming to terms with those. Uh, <laughs> but as far as writing, um so I had to see what Hemingway and Steinbeck's relationship was and Sure, yeah. It wasn't actually much of one. I think they corresponded every once in a while. Um, of course, Two like any, yeah, of course that anybody that corresponded with Hemingway, s- they said something, and Hemingway thought it was an insult, so he you know punched back. Um, ah, <laughs> <Duh>, Dick, <yeah. laughs> who wants to fight? Yeah, it's like God, dear relax, relax. Ernest, relax. <laughs> that fucker. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I, uh, an anecdote I came across was Steinbeck was asked about the feud between like Hemingway and Faulkner. I guess there was something going on, and Steinbeck was like. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. <laughs> like, so, that's not the exact words I used, but yeah. that was the general impression that I got. That he was just like, man, just trying to live my, yeah. live my quiet life and just fucking write. Don't give you me know, shit. Best. Like, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Really don't. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I
1: don't care. That's a, <laughs> that's a clown question, bro. <laughs> yeah,
2: that made me respect the guy even more. Yeah. yeah, he's just a guy that was devoted to his craft and was good at it.
0: At, of that group, he—I I think I was most influenced by, Fitzgerald. Um, I think I was most influenced by him just because of the teacher that I had, but he's Steinbeck's my favorite. Oh, he, the other
2: uh, anecdote: Steinbeck and Hemingway both grew beards around the same time, and people would gum up to giant John Steinbeck and ask for Ernest for his autograph. I Think <laughs> he was Ernest Hemingway, <laughs> so, he, a, so, so he'd sign it Ernest Hemingway. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's the funny one I wanted to bring up. That was fantastic. Great. Yep. Yeah. Uh, any final thoughts? Anybody else? That's there? it.
2: Good. That's it. wonderful excellent take a break and we'll come back and dig into a little
0: zeppelin one and we are back to jump into man one of my favorite bands of all time led zeppelin starting at the beginning of the catalog led zeppelin uno 50th
2: anniversary this past January. yeah 1969
0: released on atlantic records interestingly they were touring uh, before the release of the record, which makes sense. I guess it's not too interesting. But As the new Yardbirds. They were the new Yardbirds, exactly. Yeah. So we have a band here uh, that is formed from a few other bands and a couple studio musicians. So you have uh, Plant and Bonham, who are really good friends, childhood friends. Um, Plant is, was originally signed to, I think, CBS Records. He was like a new Elvis-type guy. Uh, he was in the Band of Joy before he joined Zeppelin. And uh, we have Page, who's a studio whiz kid. Like He's been in the studio since he was 15, 16 years old. Just like... Playing skiffle. Yeah, just like a unique dude. Uh, he's got his own kind of style. I always argue that he's one of the sloppiest guitarists on the planet. You don't have to argue um, that. That's I think it's pretty well yeah. known,
2: yeah. Uh, Electric, acoustic, very precise. Yes. Like a different man. Exactly. Different
0: player. So uh, he has this... Um, uh this like Estate on the Thames River or whatever and there's all these like um sort of like live recordings of him playing acoustic from there. Uh I found I forget what the hell they were. I mean fascinating how different he is yeah. with that. But then uh of course we have uh John Paul Jones who's also a studio musician and he's just fucking workhorse, badass dude. He sends about when he finds out Paige is starting a band he sends about 150 telegrams to page. Let me in your fucking band, please. But he's really, you know, he's a he's an English gentleman. So he's like, oh, hello. Can we please set up a meeting? I would love to be. I, I'm a multi instrumentalist. I really think I'd be a great addition. I don't and know what uh, that accent is, but and, uh, <laughs> and so I don't know. Some rich guy. Um, so he he he's asking 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 asking. And he's not like um like a bad motherfucker like the other dudes view themselves. Like Paige is all engaged with the Lester Crowley's like sex magic and shit and and, and plant's just obviously this super sex symbol guy and Bottom's a monster. Uh and Jumbo Joe's pretty straight edge, just normal dude. He's just one of the most talented, arguably the most talented dude in the band. Um and so they kinda think he's a dork and <laughs> page doesn't want this dork in his new heavy rock band. And then ultimately Uh, Jones wins him over by just being the baddest motherfucker on the bass you can imagine and the keys Mm -hmm. but of course and the mandolin pretty much just based on on the first album though he gets I think he gets one writing credit on the album uh, and we'll talk about writing credits in a little bit we'll talk about that (laughs) a little bit because essentially uh, this is a cover album Uh, I think two thirds of it is covers Um, but we are going to start and dig in listening to it again what were our Reactions to Zeppelin 1 50 years later.
2: I love Zeppelin. Me too. I have a deep, deep history with Zeppelin. Me too. There's probably not a week that goes by where I don't get to let out just a little bit. <laughs> Maybe it's a drop. Maybe it's uh,
0: an anvil. Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, I used to have a, a running uh, patron at the bar I worked at. I worked every Monday. Every Monday he would come down, uh, early shift. He'd come down around five o'clock. And we would just load up the old J beer with Zeppelin, nice. and just get it out every Monday night, and we'd sing along. And uh, our joke, that was only funny to us, is that we were a, a Rod Stewart tribute band covering Led Zeppelin songs. <laughs> 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 wow! But we would That's we we'd do we do all the we try to do all the instruments with our mouths, you know, bum bum dum and dum and dum and he go ah yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. it was
2: Some of the greatest times of my life. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> Eric, if you're listening, thank you for that. <laughs> uh my dad growing up was a huge Zeppelin fan. My stepdad, he was like a nineteen year old kid when my mom uh sunk her, her claws into that. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, <laughs> To be fair, she was like twenty one. <laughs> <Okay, yeah. laughs> <laughs> Maybe twenty two. Yeah. Um uh, so <laughs> uh growing up man there was a zeppelin you know in the early 80s it was zeppelin yeah especially just in the house Philly. yeah driving Philly in the car loves zeppelin yeah a lot yeah. of classic rock but i distinctly remember a lot of zeppelin i've got 3 belt buckles that he gave me over the years mm. uh cl- like there's the dates on the back like 76 77 oh, tight. you know the what's well, just uh,
0: like a big zoso um
2: no i don't have that one i've got one that says zeppelin i got the uh the uh the list angel
1: you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> Every um, time you say wiener, I'm surprised. I don't know why. Because you say it a lot? It's that, <laughs> that often. Just around you, I guess. <laughs> it's, that, it's
0: It's meant to be like the Icarus, right? I think. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. Uh,
2: anyway, I, I feel so like I should have a wiener. I feel like yeah. Well, <laughs> melted off. I feel like I'm. <laughs> oh I'm ranting and gushing. I love Zeppelin. But This is the reaction to Zeppelin. One of my fr- the first when I started playing guitar, one of the first things I I had was a Led Zeppelin. I uh, was like, like a greatest hits, like how to play these songs. Like oh, I fucking know that song. Let me learn to play the song like over the hills and far away. It's like, yeah. what is this technique? You know? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I everybody. am a God. Yeah. Everybody. You know?
0: <laughs> everybody. Does. Yeah. It's awesome. Nick.
1: Uh, well, similarly to Daniel, um, my mother was primarily rooted in Motown music. She loved it, but she also loved Black Sabbath and Jethro Tull and Golden Earring and Led Zeppelin. And she'd play me Zeppelin records as, as a little kid. And I remember s- specifically one day going to Rainbow Records. It was on. Oh, yeah. You remember where it was up on Germantown, the Northtown Shopping Center? It's been gone for 20 years. <laughs> but yep. anyway, I remember going there as a kid and being like, I want to buy uh, a Led Zeppelin CD. And I was like, that sounds great. <laughs> yeah. Let's fucking do Which it. one? I said. Well, I like this song, this song, and this song. She's like, that; they're all on different albums. <laughs> 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 I, you can get one. I'm like, yeah. well, I can't decide. We got to go. <laughs> <laughs> and that was it. And that was it. Um, no, but I, I have very uh, fond memories of Led Zeppelin listening to it in the car with my mother. and um, it, It's pretty cool to be talking about it today.
0: Yeah. I, uh, it's interesting. My We had pretty much just a constant repeat of Neil Young's Harvest Moon and Tom Petty's Greatest Hits. Mother didn't really listen to much music. She listened to like favorite sermons and things like that. Um, my dad just listened to those two guys constantly. And then I found in our attic his eight track player. I brought that down and he had physical graffiti, uh, Zeppelin 4, Zoso, four symbols, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Uh, and he had Zeppelin 2. Um, so you didn't have Zeppelin 1 and you didn't have my favorite, which is Zeppelin 3. I heard MMR on the ride into school. I fucking overslept. Getting driven in, an immigrant song came on at what six forty-five or something like that. And that I'm song like, kills so this hard. This is the fucking coolest thing <laughs> I have ever heard. Like I couldn't, <laughs> I literally couldn't handle it. <laughs> Bought the album, and Zeppelin Three is my favorite album. Which you know, if anybody isn't familiar with it, there are only two heavy songs like that on the entire album. It's it's immigrant song, and it's out on the tiles. The rest is almost entirely acoustic. Uh, some songs, bombs, not even on. But I made a point to learn immigrant song on the drums. And once you do that, your foot is empowered, <laughs> and you can do. And then, and then the wonton song, things like that. You start doing that triplet roll. The what song? The wontons, wonton song. Okay, sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> Apologies.
2: The B side to their egg roll jam.
0: <laughs> it really butters my egg roll. Um, sorry. The wontons are fabulous. In any case, you, so you as a drummer. I didn't have the luxury in the '90s of, um, you know, uh, charts uh, to learn how to play the songs. You had to put on your headphones, you had to air drum to your boombox, and then you had to go downstairs and go, "That's not fucking right," and go back up and and, and learn it. Um, and so the I did Zeppelin's entire catalog hmm. when I like to teach myself rock drums because I took lessons from a jazz drummer, so I learned jazz at my lessons, and I had to teach myself how to convert that knowledge into, like, rock drumming. And uh, so I, I, one of the first things I did was Zeppelin's catalog. Nice. Um, little did I know I was actually a punk. And, <laughs> and my friends who were suggesting punk to me, I was like, Zeppelin fucking... I was literally an asshole. I was an elitist. I go, Zeppelin fucking rules. You don't fucking know anything. Punk well, sucks. And then I listened to that years later. I'm like, if I had I been listening to this, God knows the music that I would have made, you know, when I was younger. But Zeppelin does rule. They just is not better than But there are
1: a else. ton... <laughs> Billions of Zeppelin elitists in the world who think just like that and still do. I was in seventh grade,
0: so I'll, I'll These people that. are adults. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there are. There really are. They're, and so
1: I was. Led Zeppelin don't give a fuck about anything else. Exactly. Yeah. And and so to jump into
0: the album, this album is 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 predominantly covers. Old uh Willie Dixon uh songs, some Muddy Waters, uh uh Joan Baez, like there's which a, was
2: a cover of an Ann
0: Bredon song. Exactly. So there's there's Tons of, of uh, covers going on here. There's even like, you know, the most... A lot of people, this album is remembered mostly by two songs, which are my two least favorite songs. Uh, Dazed and Confused and Communication Breakdown. <laughs> Those are the two songs that are really that, uh, uh, the standouts. Communication Breakdown for me is um, really Paige trying to... He's looking what's going on, I think, around uh, at that time. He's seeing sabbath and and so that hammering was sabbath around
1: yes they they were yeah
0: and so he's seeing that sort of hammering and even like rockabilly at that time is 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 doing that kind of strumming that that communication breakdown has and it's it's fast-paced um stealing my thunder bro you have sorry i'm not trying (laughs) to to steal it but 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 and then dazed and confused um is is uh just a blatantly stolen song uh i'm confused um and By Jack Holmes. Exactly. Uh, you know, a folk dude from, from New York City came out on his like 1967 album. Um, uh, Paige goes to New York, sees him performing it, and just takes it. Uh, he has a buddy um, who's an actor whose father is a session violinist who goes, you know, you should try using the violin bow or whatever. Um, and so then he uses the violin bow for Daisy Cruise. They're popular, I think, at that time because they. Are dazing and fuse completely new, completely different, completely weird? I guess to the vast majority of the public that Zeppelin is now encountering, yeah. and communication breakdown fits what's happening at the time. It still like seems to be on the cutting edge of what's going mm-hmm. on. Um, they're my two least favorite. I feel like they don't necessarily offer the complexity of arrangement that the other songs do on the album. Uh, And with Zeppelin, much like A Modest Mouse or various different groups that I I find myself listening to over and over again, I go back to those songs that I hear something new the more I listen to them, like In My Time of Dying on Physical Graffiti, Holy Shit, Babe I'm Gonna Leave You on this album, that's my favorite. Um, There's a complexity, there is a a just real artistry in the arrangement for some of these tracks um, that I don't find on those two. and that's that's my two cents to jump into. I don't know what you guys have to say.
2: Uh, I'm going to hop in the old uh, time machine and go back to 1969. All right. I want to just read a snippet of the original Rolling Stone review. Oh, this is classic. Yeah. yeah, it's this not a good cla- review. No, they hated on him. Yeah, hmm. but the last paragraph is, I I, I got to say, the guy is exactly right if not maybe a little uh, uh heavy-handed in his negativity of the band uh because i do not think that zeppelin's first album is uh it's not their best no by i don't i so. put it i put it's one of my least favorites yeah i'd put it in their the fourth worst of all of them okay yeah um and i think for good reason so here's here from uh, what's this guy's name so you have best
1: and then everything else is like
2: 8th worst we're not going to so talk what? about Presence or Coda okay no well they're the they're the last ones, okay. right yeah <laughs> Presence Coda Into the Outdoor and then and then and one Into the
0: Outdoor you bastard yeah sorry man give John Paul Jones his due sorry he wrote that whole fucking thing yeah it shows everybody right. else is fucking <laughs> <laughs> fucked up oh you yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ <laughs> Uh,
2: The the writer was John Mendelsohn. I don't know anything else by the guy, but I'd I'd be curious. uh, Because he
1: disappeared after this. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Peter Grant came in and was like, go fuck yourself. All
2: right. So here we go. Uh, John Mendelsohn on Zeppelin one from Rolling Stone 1969 and their willingness to waste their considerable talent on unworthy material. The Zeppelin has produced an album which is sadly reminiscent of Truth. So Truth was uh, Beck's album that had just come mm. out maybe like two months prior. Jeff Beck. Jeff Beck. What did I say? You Beck. just said
0: Beck. Oh. So we have a modern audience. Yeah. Okay. Jeff Beck. Sex yeah. Um, <laughs> uh,
2: Okay. Uh, sadly reminiscent of Truth. Like the Beck group, the Jeff Beck group, they are also perfectly willing to make themselves a two or more accurately one and a half man show. It would seem that if are, if they are to help fill the void created by the demise of Cream, they will have to find a producer and editor and some material Jimmy worthy Page. of their collective attention.
1: God. I mean there's accurate. nothing not yeah, true he's right on. He's yeah.
0: dead balls on. So he really is. And and I mean there's something to be noted, Jeff Beck and Jimmy Page were in the Yardbirds at the same mm-hmm. time, right? And, That's how and Jimmy Page
2: got in the Yardbirds
0: and Jimmy Page produces Jeff Beck's album with that um bolero rhythm uh towards the end there. And and when we're thinking about you know, I don't know how many more times, which is the final song, and one of the only ones that's actually a Zeppelin song. original song, <laughs> yeah. Um, that for me is is the best Zeppelin song on the album that that is really the standout i think a lot of people really enjoy good times bad times um because it, it in cool fact tune. was going to be the single they were thinking about a single peter grant if anybody's unfamiliar he was there like gigantic asshole of a manager i mean this is the kind of guy he was like um what's his name uh who just went to jail uh who, who hung vanilla ice out the window uh he was the, the, the enforcer for Shug death row record. Suge Knight. Yeah. Peter Grant was the Suge Knight of his time. Uh, and so he, he goes, uh, fuck singles. It reduces album sales. It fucks with album sales. We're not doing a single. And he was pretty much the dude who like, would come in and manhandle people for money. Mm-hmm. Jesus. He says no to good times, bad times, being a single. And uh, I think that was actually a really good call because if you focus on albums, Zeppelin is a group that puts out albums. They do albums. You need to get mm-hmm. into it. We have, I mean, it's bold as shit to put on Black Mountainside mm-hmm. an acoustic jam in the middle of this album of, of new heavy rock. You know, which uh, is you,
1: pretty, I really enjoy that tune.
0: Yeah, it's great. You know, and, and there's a lot it's of. It's under this two minutes,
2: though, which is true. an <laughs> anomaly
0: on the well, album. Well, there's. Well, no, Communication Breakdowns, I think. There's three songs minutes. that are about oh. two and
1: a half minutes long okay. and the acoustic track, that you, the title escapes me. Once again, even though you just Black said it, it's under two minutes. So I think those are the three shortest tunes.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's also arguably... Ston- so he was playing this song called White Summer, uh, Page was, with the Yardbirds. That's incredible. If you ever get a chance to um, purchase Zeppelin's BBC Sessions, they mm-hmm. do White Summer, Black Mountain Side. They do that sort of medley. White Summer is incredible. it's just this wild acoustic jam and as you know is Daniel that? pointed out he is Paige very, very adept. Did at you say zeppelin? Guitar. Zeppelin's Zeppelin BBC, BBC? Stations, not Yardbirds BBC. Not Yardbirds. No, but, they I don't put, think DR, but he plays White Summer on tour. They put it in their live set. Gotcha. And gotcha, so gotcha. Uh, when they did the BBC sessions, it's that medley. So a lot yeah. of the stuff that they played live is not on some of their albums. So they did mm-hmm. do you know sort of throwbacks like that. Um, but this dude, Burt Yanch, wrote uh, a name. <laughs> Black Riverside, um, which a lot of people say is real similar to Paige's Black Mountainside um and so or black Waterside. side i'm sorry uh and so that's one of the, another one where it's like did he really do this or not but black mountainside used to be something to play with the yardbirds as part of the medley for white summer hmm. um so that's where we see yeah. another thing a lot of this like even uh, how many more times is this mashup of some old band of joy stuff some old yardbirds ideas uh that they put into the song and then like i said page had just produced um beck's album uh, Jeff Beck's Jeff Beck. album With the Bolaro uh, Rhythm that The he, logic he throws Of Sorry <laughs> 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 That he throws into this Which Bonham dominates You know Did Did Page produce uh, Truth Page produced um, uh, <sighs> The reason I asked it Because there's There's uh, a, does, does Truth have Becks Bolero on it I'm gonna check Because I, I just know the song He was a producer on that song There's a s-
2: Song uh, That they both record I think was how many more times If not mistaken They okay. both re- It's on both Truth And it's on I'm looking this up right now It's on Truth And Zeppelin 1 um, No You Shook Me Rather You Shook Me is the song You Shook
0: Me yeah Because that's a Willie Dixon team. Yeah, Muddy Waters does it Beck does it They do it and People the argue back, so Beck did it before right His album came out Before yeah, so Zeppelin 1 we might be And he
1: catching recorded it On two turntables And a microphone <laughs> 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 We might be catching Jimmy Page in a lie here
2: He said that when he he got news of uh, Beck, Jeff Beck, having You Shook Me on his album, Zeppelin, they had already recorded theirs, and he was like, oh, fuck, it's going to be the same thing. Yeah. And he said he had no idea, and then he heard it, and he's like, oh, thank God we did two different things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if he produced this album, (laughs)
1: then he
2: certainly knew. Yeah, yeah. Unless he only produced... Bex Bolero, Blex Bolero. yeah. Because
0: I know he, he did he's produce credited Bex, as a writer. He, yeah, he he did produce Bex Bolero. Just Jimmy song. Page
1: sounds like a, a little bit of a dickhead. He was
0: a little stealer. He slash was a revisionist miser too. Uh, he he, I mean, the contracts were heavily weighted towards Page. Um, no,
2: a, I mean, let's be fair, Zeppelin. This was his thing.
0: It existed because he had. It was based solely on his name. Yeah. Jimmy Page became this popular iconic figure. And when he went off, just as when Beck went off, like the Yardbirds was pretty much a breeding ground. Mm-hmm. Like Clapton was in the Yardbirds. It was just this place where, it was just this band that, that bred fucking phenomenal guitarists. Yeah. And and so these guys all went off and got to do their own solo stuff. Pages happened to be fucking Led Zeppelin. And, uh, and you know these guys are really riding his coattails for the first couple albums. I think he paid for the entire first tour. Yeah, Him and Peter Grant, I think, just funded the entire thing. Oh, shit. Um, they were actually known as the Knobs. Uh, on the first tour for a little bit because uh, <laughs> that's funny <laughs> yeah uh they uh yeah they were just the balls um but do we know another bit of trivia before we jump into our favorite songs uh who is credited as having come up with the the name led zeppelin no who do you know i do know although you're probably gonna tell me i'm wrong but i have heard that it's john and and keith moon from the who yeah that said your band is going to go down like a lead balloon and they named it Led Zeppelin. yeah that's correct no, yeah that oh, i feel, I feel like that's I you're, you're looking at me like i was looking for
2: i was looking for he was looking at right? poke <laughs> holes in your story yeah. like new information <laughs> very tense yeah, no, yeah that's,
0: that, that's that's what i've heard yeah <laughs> So I, I, that's what oh, i've heard i've never
2: read that anywhere it. but that's just the thing that people have said so i was so obsessed with Led zeppelin uh
0: I He's holding up a book. I Audience. had a book purchased <laughs> for me called Led Zeppelin Days and Confused by Chris Welsh, who is, is a really, really good um, sort of like investigative writer. And that story's in there. And he has the story of how Zeppelin came to be and the story behind every one of the songs. Oh, that's
2: great. It's really cool. It's, I, I love Zeppelin so much. And I've had in my possession uh, Hammer of the Gods for probably
0: 20 years. Oh, I read that one like sixth grade or something. Yeah. Never read it. Dude, I don't know. It was inappropriate for me to read. Yeah. I should not have read it. Yeah. <laughs> it, it I, know, very, like, I remember <laughs> being like, oh God They did what with the fish? Yeah. <laughs> they did what, what with her? <laughs> How old was she? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was no, a lot of Oh, this yeah. is
1: not good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um page. Paige, you know. Let's just talk about the yard. I don't know what to talk about. Yeah. Um, okay. In any case. Let's get uh, into it. <laughs> yeah, what's your what's your favorite tune, Nick?
1: Um, well, you sort of stole my thunder a little bit earlier because mine was communication breakdown
2: was there a communication <laughs> breakdown well
1: i don't think we talked about it and that's <laughs> why <laughs> so um communication breakdown is mine so as i mentioned earlier was it driving you insane uh, sorry <laughs> <laughs> that's got me the last one okay uh, as i mentioned earlier after being confused are you going by- to have a nervous breakdown i might okay (laughs) (laughs) after being confused by how many songs i liked and how many albums there were i didn't listen to led zeppelin for the majority of my life um i did however listen to judas priest a lot (laughs) and communication breakdown is i mean you talk about zeppelin taking liberties with other people's work this is pretty much a judas priest song um it's 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 got the high vocals, the driving drum beat, the palm muting, the, the, the shredding, you know, it's, oh yeah, when that solo comes out,
0: that, that is badass. It it sucks.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And it's a, it's a Judas Priest tune and Judas Priest's first record didn't come out to like 1972 or three. So obviously they were trying a lot of the same things that Zeppelin was doing. Um, But it, I was like, holy Lord, this is a Judas Priest song. And then I was like, I love Judas Priest. Therefore, I love this song. <laughs> yeah. Um, but oh, I just have one quick note before we can move on. Um, Black Mountainside is a beautiful piece of music. Yes. Um, there is a song on Echoes, Silence, Patience, and Grace by the Foo Fighters called uh, Ballad of the Beaconsfield Miners" that is very reminiscent of this. Oh, no kidding. Um, that record was Grohl's sort of Zeppelin tribute album. Okay. Um, I mean, he's in that
0: band with John Paul Jones. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Um, this was sort of a, a lot of acoustic songs or acoustic guitar mixed with heavy rock songs, um, and that's what they did for that album. And it's a really cool album that gets skipped on over with when it comes to the Foo Fighters. But um this that song I was like, holy shit! That's where Grohl got the inspiration for that little acoustic jam that he yeah, does. And it, yeah, and it's yeah, it's pretty fabulous. That's so cool to see that yeah, when that happens. Very cool. Yeah. So.
0: Absolutely, um, so Daniel, you want to share your favorite tune? Yeah, I was torn
2: between two. Um, I was going to say "Babe, I'm gonna leave you," uh, but upon f- recent listenings, I, I used to play that song on the jukebox all the time. Uh, it's so good. good. Yeah, oh, so good. But i I, so I have to rem- I have to remove myself balls. from Just <laughs> balls. Yeah, the knobs. It's too long. Looking at it through a critical lens. Six and a half? Too long? There's way too much repetition of not interesting things happening in the middle bit. So that's why I did not pick Babe. I'm going to leave you. And uh, I'm going to be happy to hear your your, your counterpoint in a minute. So Good Times, Bad Times. It's the title. Not the title track. It's the opening track. Right. The Uh, almost
0: single. Yeah.
2: And I think that Good Times, Bad Times is representative of the album. And it does the same thing that the album does for Led Zeppelin, which is is it provides a blueprint or a framework of what Zeppelin is is about and then yeah. what they're capable of doing, because Zeppelin two is way better than this album. Zeppelin three is a little different, but it's still way better. But My all favorite. so good. All of the things that Zeppelin is going to be and that we love about Zeppelin is uh, represented on this first album. And a lot of those things, not all of them, but a lot of them are represented on uh, Good Times, Bad Times. You've got fucking Bonham's right foot. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. You got Page with his just sloppy, yet uh, very melodic and memorable guitar licks. Yeah. Yeah. all over the place. It's just crazy, like, endless runs. You know, like Paul McCartney well, doing the bass. Like, how are... There's not even any more strings. Where are you going? But he just... Can, it's like, can where I are give you, you r- a little uh, yeah.
0: little insight to the recording process? He played that through a Leslie speaker, mm-hmm. which is typically on a Hammond yep. organ. It's a speaker that rotates, rotates. like this. Yeah. yeah, so that's where you get some of that tone coming from the guitar. Yeah.
2: Well, he also uh, also was tone. He was the first person to use natural ambience. He'd have a mic up against the uh, the speaker. And then he'd have one that would mic the room, and then he would, he would balance them out in post to get that. Yeah. Instead of like putting... Which is
0: pretty much standard practice in now. studios now. Yeah.
2: yeah, but he that was things that he learned uh, as a session musician in studios. Yeah. Um, so that's why he's got that just bombastic, just ripping fucking sound.
0: But you're right. Everybody does. You can isolate each of the players, mm-hmm. and there's not really any one standout with Good Times, Bad Times. Good Times, Bad Times does have sort of these like... Little peaks and valleys for each player yeah. in the band at that point. Yeah, that is a, that is a With good the singer and John Paul Jones.
2: Yeah, so yeah, uh,
0: everybody gets their mm-hmm. their due in that song. I have a
1: question for you guys. What's it that? seemed to me through listening to this that a lot of the ideas on this one were executed differently, but better later on in Lepp- in Zeppelin songs. Yeah, and, that I've heard. It just seems like these were, if not half baked, just incomplete. I wouldn't call them half
2: baked. They were they met they rehearsed no and no no. that's they, not what
1: i mean just like it just felt like there was more that could have well no i'm they, getting there they uh, met
2: and they rehearsed and then almost instantly they went on tour and then almost yeah. instantly they recorded this mm-hmm. like the month they they went on tour in september and then they recorded this but at I'll the end say, of september when you, when you, of 68 when mm-hmm.
0: you come off tour though you're, you're tight. usually tight yeah as shit so to your point i think you're right i think that What they're doing live is probably, and, and, you know, when you read uh, about it too, it's it's like, oh, this was part, this song was part of a medley um, that would involve X and Y, and, and this song would get jammed out at the end and stuff like that. So I think when you try and convert that a live show, this to me reads like, especially during the 60s, a live show where it's a lot of covers for a lot of bands at that time much you know so it's they're jamming though they're involved in the audience and stuff and it, it reads to me like a live show that they tried to put on tape and it's difficult to capture this sort of energy and intensity there and i think you're absolutely right i think you know had they perhaps taken a little bit more time i think uh page was just like acutely aware that the capitalized this was a sound mm-hmm. that needed to get out and that he needed to, like, if we if we do it right, we'll be able to make countless albums. Yeah. Which he was right. Zeppelin you know, Zep two came
2: out only a few months later. Was that
0: Two was written on tour too?
2: Yeah, Zeppelin two, when that come out, like September of
0: '69, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh shit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because then I think it's two years before we get Zeppelin three. I think Zeppelin three seventy one. Yeah, let me see. Um, but in any case, yeah, I think you're absolutely right, Nick. Cool. Um, and mine is. Uh, Babe, I'm Gonna Leave You, which is mm. originally, and finally, I think when they remastered it, credited to uh, Ann Breton, who is the original composer of it uh, from like the mid-60s, she was a folk singer. But when they started uh, getting together to form the band, Plant goes over Paige's house and they're just listening to records to feel each other's influences out and stuff. And one of the first songs that Paige suggests covering is um, after they listen to Joan Baez's version of Babe, I'm Gonna Leave You, which is Haunting and super high pitched because it's Joan Baez, so it's like it's
1: almost baby, un- it's almost unlistenable.
0: Like yeah, it's like that. It's, it is. It's a little rough, Um but it is pretty. It's creepy, which when you talking about the midsection of the Zeppelin version, he gets that sort of um reverse tape effect. That's on that, mm. whoo, like, kind of like gets to like almost a break, reminiscent of what they do. To your point, Nick, later with whole lot of love mm. with that. Yeah, with that that's break. the one. <sharp> 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 yeah, there's that kind of like, um, sort of like weird ghostly break, yeah. uh, and then yeah, we. That's that. on
2: Zeppelin too. So we're talking uh, a couple months
1: later. That came out in October. Yeah, so yeah. they perfected it nine. or they refined yeah, it. It's just like I'd heard stuff yeah on different tracks that was that were in these songs yeah I was like, absolutely wow. yeah wow. they
0: refine they refine that um but uh it, it's it's funny too because Paige um was in the studio with Marianne Faithful, who also recorded babe i 'm gonna leave you, and so he has all, like all these different female influences, and then he gives it to plant, and he kind of takes it to this i think very rocking place mm-hmm. like that and I, to be honest with you, I think the reason why I like this the most is um bonham shines here i think this is a drum heavy song regardless of that middle break and all this other stuff that um that beat that bonded da da dun da, dun, da, dun da dun yeah da it's awesome like it the, the the that that like you know baby rest before the hit like all that stuff that he does is bonham at like his finest where he 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 is so heavy and 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 seemingly so out of control yet he is so focused on nuance and he throws in rhythms and different sort of like real, real, real um, calculated things that I think make him why he's the drummer that he mm-hmm. is, you know, that, that he's respected in that way. I mean, I got a fucking bottom tattoo. I love bottom. He was my primary influence for playing the drums and learning, babe, I'm going to leave you and learning any Zeppelin song. And pounding
2: really, 39 Budweiser's
0: right before he goes on. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and I mean, what? eight bottles of vodka killed him yeah. you know it's like insane uh but what? in any case yeah.
1: yeah like straight straight um
0: i mean there came a time when they were on the In through the outdoor tour when i think he was crushing like four to six bottles of vodka in an evening oh my god yeah, he was he he was a madman um but when we when we look at don't we, try that at home we, kids. yeah jesus
1: uh oh uh, i drink like <laughs> A shot of vodka. (laughs) I'm
0: like, hey, hey, can somebody drive me home? I'm very sleepy. (laughs) Um, But in any case, babe, I'm going to leave you his mind because in listening to it, I really, I really fell in love with with his drumming on that one. Not even those triplet rolls on Good Times, Bad Times. You know, like that, I was like, wow, that's really cool. But babe, I'm going to leave you to play something straight ahead and put in these little things that make it just so fucking heavy and awesome. I I thought it was fantastic. So um, that would be my favorite, but. Overall, we have what essentially is a live show mm-hmm. recorded to tape. Yeah.
2: yeah. Uh, I just looked up, uh, so Zeppelin 1, January 69, Zeppelin 2, October 69, Zeppelin 3, October 1970. So they took a year, but they started recording Zeppelin 3 in November of 69. So they probably just were touring. They, so they, they had material they were recording. They probably yeah. went on tour. And uh,
0: they went to Your uh, or to record Zeppelin three, yeah, <laughs> the golden breasts, and they, uh, yeah, they were just like in a field. That's why they had no. It was mostly acoustic, right? Yeah, they didn't really have electric. So
2: you can see within a year and a half, right? They had. They had three albums. It's
0: crazy. It's insane. It is. I mean yeah. Zeppelin Two was written mostly on tour, I'm pretty sure. But like Whole Lot of Love becomes like the anthem for Vietnam soldiers and mm-hmm. stuff and then you have all this popular I mean, that song was so heavy it just it just took America. You know, they had wow. America by the balls after that. And then yeah, you could do whatever you wanted and they were like, Yeah, we will and we are gonna put out two heavy songs and eight acoustic tunes. And they yeah. were so heavy.
1: <laughs> they were so heavy, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean this is this is pre metal, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? This is stuff that metalheads just looking at and me like uh, how do we get how heavier than that yeah <laughs>
0: you know? i mean there's very little contesting you might get the Stooges like holding mm. a candle at times i would argue nah. um but there's not much you know you do have your sabbaths and and stuff like that yeah and, sabbath
1: was on they were on a different planet yeah <laughs> like, yeah and, and and you know
0: you have tony iommi you have these very influential and very you know uh, specific type of guitarists yeah. that are doing it but um yeah zeppelin won pretty much a live show a time capsule though as well because this is where we see like the split where where blues has its influence uh is is still holding on and then what they're making from it yeah. is just is just uh showing up. And you know, I I have a not a problem but I get annoyed with um the fact that all these, you know, British guitarists and British bands kind of just like really stole a whole bunch from our blues musicians in America and, and whatnot. And like well, don't really credit them too often. Yeah. You That's know?
1: across music from that era. I was thinking about this a lot I this think. week. Sorry. Yeah.
2: yeah. Uh, what the, you know, the British invasion, what it essentially was, was taking black American music yeah. and just giving it back to white Americans. Exactly. Because
0: with a face that they felt yeah. more comfortable
2: right. with. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, because white Americans weren't listening to black American music and frankly black Americans weren't listening to traditional black American music at the time so you had you had you know you um there Motown. was like the people that knew yeah you know so uh so it's it's tough to 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 uh i guess digest it because on one hand you just got well they in one regard they saved this music because now you listen to Zeppelin, it's like, oh, who inspired Zeppelin? The only reason I know who Muddy Waters is and B.B. King and then Robert Johnson is Same. because I liked classic rock. Absolutely, yep. And it's like, oh, who were their influences? Oh, these guys. Mm-hmm. Um, if You know, if I was leaving Michael Jackson to show me the candle, I would not have ever found Robert Johnson. True. So, yeah. Uh, but now not giving credit is, I don't know, what do you, what do you. It's fucked up. That's all but, but people <laughs> they on the on the on the circuit, like you'd borrow songs, you know, nobody really owned a song.
0: Yeah, but they weren't really on the circuit. Like what's happening in Europe at that time is the Beatles did this, like pretty much all the bands did this. Like you didn't have DJs, you didn't have jukeboxes really. So you just had live bands that you would pay and they would go around and they would play yeah. all this music and they would cover all these songs and essentially, you know, the vast majority of Europe. White people and they're and they're yeah. they're taking this music from America and they're and they're playing it for these white people and they're they're giving them essentially they're they're giving it so that these people can dance to it yeah. you know so th- so they're not doing it you know the in the same way that Buddy Guy might do it you know and and he would be my preference there <laughs> you know yeah. we're talking about playing some blues I would listen to him because the the way he does it I mean he he gets he gets down mm-hmm. and 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 sort of destroys all your preconceived notions of what it should sound like you know and and messes with form whereas these guys are almost simplifying or oversimplifying form so that you can dance to it a little easier
2: talking about like the earlier british explosion yeah yeah i, I, t- I mean to be fair to them or at least their record companies those early beatles albums and rolling stones albums they did credit the the actual uh artists those more Good like stuff it's like more business though yeah
0: they had to yeah 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 mm-hmm. but in any case Zeppelin one to me always been a live album that they put on tape
2: interesting never thought of that way but uh
1: it makes sense yeah yeah i've i've this is the first time i've ever really sat down and listened to a a zeppelin album start to finish um i was in a particularly good mood all week (laughs) i enjoyed the hell out of everything that we did for this show (laughs) um so i really enjoyed this and i'll tell you what like steinbeck like i'm i'm i want to listen to all that shit yeah i want to do it so it's yeah. great. I really it's it's it. interesting.
0: I, there's something good on all of it too. Like even Coda, which was like in fucking gas station convenience stores at one point. Like that has some really good stuff on it. Like Poor Tom, that shuffle beat is one of the coolest things Bonham's ever done. You know, mm-hmm. they have Bonzo's Montrose, which is a, a, a fucking solo that rivals Moby Dick. Yeah. And it's I mean, it's cool. It's it, there's, there's a bunch of cool. Stuff. That one always gets fucked up because there are a couple times. What's the punk? He's trying to do punk, like like true like punk. Uh, like uh, fuck, I forget the song that's coda, but it's just like a punk song, and you're like, "What? This is not, well, is not good." <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> poor Tom. It's the only Zeppelin song that begins with the letter P. <laughs> what the fuck? Is that <laughs> trivia? Yeah. I don't know. Listen, you, 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 there's there's things you know for no reason. <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow. In any case, um, that's my final thought. Is cool. is it's a fantastic, and you know, I love live music. So it's a fantastic live album. Put the tape. Um, All right, and you know what? Unbeknownst to you, cats. I did go off and play the hit. Good times, bad times, baby, featuring my brother, Michael Mahalik, and my cousin, Thomas Lamont. Let's check it out for your listening pleasure. A little bit of a little clippage. Good times, bad times, baby. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well done. Uh, And now our final canonical thing. We're going to be looking at the origin of Budweiser beer. This comes. The king of beers. (laughs) This comes from uh, uh, what was Czechoslovakia, what is now back to the Czech Republic. Um, This is a Czech imported lager. So when you go to the Czech Republic, they go, uh, what do you want? You go a beer. They go light or dark. And then depending on the establishment, you um you get uh whatever beer they're like w- aligned with uh, <laughs> and so many of them have this old uh original budweiser beer uh which is at Chickvar and uh, ours that we'll be drinking today is the true chicvar import it's got the gold foil around the top um this is get a picture that up on the gram oh yeah oh yeah this is uh you know this is uh brewed in czech bergevos in the czech republic uh benefiting from over 700 years of brewing experience in the south bohemian region of course the czech republic was known as bohemia for quite some time slovakia has pretty much always been slovakia um and uh czech bar is the golden original for those who are unfamiliar uh, we talked about a couple times but um you know, Pilsner malts are the base for all beer. How they're roasted denotes what type of beer you've got, um, the degree, the temperature to which they're roasted. Uh, and so what Czechoslovakia is typically known for is the Czech Pilsner, Pilsner Erkel being the original there. This is a lager. So this is where we see uh, a little bit of a different brewing style show up. A lager is brewed cold and kept cold. That's called lagering. That's called lagering. <laughs> Four times the only Led Zeppelin song that begins with a P. Who gives a fuck?
1: That's really bothering you. <laughs> no, I'm just playing. I'm just oh playing, baby. Oh, my God. But
0: I, so the... the uh, if you look at the the, the label which we we'll, which we'll post um it says B original so they've updated the label since yeah. uh even I've been to Is it, that a is that a, a slight It has to I, be. It has to be. And then it has the Budweiser B the original Whoa. Budweiser B yeah. in the shield at the bottom. There so this is. is this is the original because uh you know Budweiser doesn't start uh until the 1800s in America. Yeah. Uh and they've essentially taken this uh sort of like I don't know recipe. One could argue from the Czech Republic and just repackaged it in America. Um, and so the Budweiser, when you go to the Czech Republic, they have uh, it's. Oh God, it's so fucking spelled so weird. Um, but Budvar or Budvice is this? They just yeah. on ours when they import it, it's Budvar. called Czechvar <laughs> instead of Budvar.
2: <laughs> Wait, is this is this Budvar
0: or Czechvar? This is Budvar, but the label is different. Because Budweiser's in America. Oh, yeah.
2: Because when I was when in you go the to
0: Czech Republic, it says Boudoir. Budweiser. Okay. Essentially, that's what I Budweiser. was drinking. Budweiser.
2: <laughs> oh, when I was in the Czech Republic in 2010, I sure. saw those Budvar, and I was like, "Oh, yeah. they're just ripping off Budweiser." Absolutely not. The opposite. Yeah. They
0: are about 500 years older. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. I had quite a bit of it then.
1: I don't so, know, I, yeah, me as well. I can remember to drink, <laughs> um Budweiser exclusively out of the bottle. All the time.
0: What, like high school or no, forever? No, no, no.
1: I was 22. <laughs> I don't know why. Classic Nick. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, if they had Bud, I was drinking it, and I was going to have a lot of them.
0: I had a buddy who was the exact same way. He would get the party balls. If you remember yeah. that? Yeah. Budweiser <laughs> a... made, were the only ones <laughs> who made it, uh-huh. and it was a big, like like the size of a beach ball, essentially. Different <laughs> uh, sizes. Yeah. Well, it was like three cases or something, maybe four. Yeah. Uh, and it had a little like, <laughs> like red ball so on the top. Dumb. And that was
2: the tap. It was <laughs> like a Christmas ornament. <laughs> it was. Except it was giant and filled with beer. Yeah,
0: exactly. exactly. <laughs> That's a great
2: Christmas ornament. My yeah. buddy,
0: John Slack had a Budweiser belt that not only was it the belt buckle, that was the Budweiser, like, triangles, right? But the entire thing was engraved. It was leather engraved with all the Budweiser logos, the horses, all that's, that. That's commitment. Uh, and he was, he was obsessed with it. But that, to, to the reason I bring it up is because so many people are like that. I mean, they just, they buy into the, almost like Coca-Cola has this, like, yeah. cult of it, right? Like, Coca-Cola changes what Santa Claus traditionally looks like to me well Santa their, Claus wasn't
1: a thing really Santa until. Claus also
0: wasn't red and white right. Santa Claus was a, a forester he's green and brown and all right. these other colors but they changed him to fit Coca-Cola's as soon as they started uh, marketing for Coke emblem yeah. well now we see the same thing with Budweiser. It's almost a nostalgia. It gives you this feeling with yeah. the fucking... And, oh, tales and stuff. Oh, it
2: makes you, your heart so warm <laughs> when they're bringing water to
1: disaster <laughs> regions. Maybe we should just call this one Appropriation cla- <laughs> yeah. Cast. Yeah. Well, I think,
0: I think we, we have touched upon yeah. something. Canon is appropriation at times. I yeah. mean, it, it, it really is. It was the origin of a lot of stuff. It's taking something from someone else. In this case, I would argue Budweiser has not made the beer better. Let's let's, <laughs> let's let's find out.
2: All right. Cheers, everyone. Cheers. I've had many Budweisers. This is the first. You're struggling there, brother. In a very long time.
0: That was a very. It's the gold foil.
1: <laughs> That's nice. It's beer. It's beer. Exactly. <laughs> it's beer.
2: Tastes like my grandfather. <laughs> my
0: God. You
2: made me lick them sometimes. Yeah. I <laughs> I like
0: you guys weird. clearly didn't li- love oh. your grandfathers. How many grandfathers <laughs> oh have you licked?
2: God. You never licked your grandfather's ear while you're watching old westerns?
0: Can't be the only one. <laughs> that's, just, that's the only thing I haven't done. I've yeah. certainly watched old westerns with them. <laughs> I've seen his ears. Yeah. I have not licked them. So here's the thing when we look at it, one of the major difference that we get, uh, you know, because this isn't going to. Knock your socks off. We will not argue that to anyone. No, it's beer drinking, it's right? Beer <laughs> drinking, beer. The 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 Pearl and Zeppelin <laughs> one might knock your socks off. This uh, will not. But what you're not getting is that thing that Funk. fucks you up with Budweiser, which is the sweetness that comes from the corn syrup. Very Funk. sweet. You're not getting. That. They don't no. use
2: corn syrup though. I thought they did. Oh, uh, maybe Bud Light they does do. They use they the whole commercial about it.
0: Yeah. Maybe they did, and they've recently switched, and now they're calling out the people who like, yeah. a year ago they were doing the same thing. Yeah. Uh, because Bud used to... It is sweet. But it in, it's in the label. If you look at a Bud, it says corn the on the Budweiser yeah. label. It does. Yeah, absolutely. So Budweiser Budweiser has corn in it. This is still traditionally brewed, right? So it's wheat um, and, and, and your, your basic malts and, and, and hops. You get that? It's just there's no frills. There's nothing there. No, it's, it's beer. just a beer. It's a beer. And you know what? Cold is good. Cold
2: beer is good. Beer. When you finish a long day of work, you and your pals can sit around, have some check bars, and you're not thinking about the uh, complexity of of the hops. Yeah, right.
1: Or you know, and
0: you're not getting a fucking headache the next day. Right. Yeah, from the corn syrup. Well,
1: here's yeah. so, uh, as you know, I'm a, I'm a regular beer guy. We know. I just I I love the idea of just being able to beer yep. you could just say anything and and it's just it's a nice delicious well we said standard. we had this
0: argument you and i had this argument with daniel about Kenzinger. yeah right when i'm there's been a number of times in the past two months Kensinger's where i've gone to than all this shit it is Kenzinger's is a little fancier but where i've gone into a bar and they do have you know like a nugget nectar or something like pretty complex to that i would usually get and i see it i'm like oh and I've gone Kensing because I just want a regular. Regular ass. I've beer. been in that regular ass beer mode.
2: Yeah, yeah. A lot of my friends that are, uh, you know, bartenders and just you've been around the craft scene for so long because Philadelphia is, has been a hub of it. It's been one of the, the yeah. first cities to, to do it. And you know, when we go out, maybe have one really nice beer and yep, I'm just fucking tired of it. I just want right. Just you start pounding Miller Lite. Uh, yeah, you know, hell yeah. I, something like that. Hell yeah! Oh, hell yeah!
0: <laughs> I'll usually go Rolling Rock just out of nostalgia, as you yeah. know. I'll, that's That'll be my go-to yeah. or whatever. Um, because, because I do find I get fucking, you get know... bombed fast. Well, there's... Yeah, from the, from the really good <laughs> ones. So so we're getting older, and you, know, you just can't handle it thing, as much. <laughs> there was a thing uh, that my buddy used to say who would buy the, uh, the, the uh, party ball. Uh, <laughs> good old John Slack. Love you. Uh, he would go, dude, we got to stop getting these party... Like, next day, he'd be like, we got to fucking stop getting these party balls. And I'd be like, yeah, I know. Like, let's just cut it out. It's and a go,
1: beach ball
0: <laughs> filled with beer. His reasoning was not the beer. Party balls. It was the That's next day... That's my grandfather day, used to call them. The, uh, the next oh, no. day Bud Mud. The, the next day... O- <laughs> that was always his... That was always his argument. And I... You know, the funny thing was, like, I have a pretty, uh, you know... I I won't boast about this, but I do have like a pretty uh, strong stomach. I'm like You're kind a of goat. like kind of like a goat. Yeah, yeah. I really am. Good kind of like for a goat. you. I've seen you
2: eat right out of the can. Yeah, it really. I've I don't seen really eat really a have can. any trouble. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I really don't have any trouble with that. The, the like fifth party that we had the the party ball. I knew exactly what he was talking about. And I was like, yeah, we got to stop this. budma, I don't know how you've been doing this every time. I remember thinking to myself, how have you experienced this? And we haven't stopped it sooner. The Bud Mud. That's so, so gross. That, I'll, that I'll, I wanna, gross. I
2: want to, I do want to end with, uh, <laughs> I used to find party balls in the woods behind the house. I grew up in. It's like, uh, they always smelled. I mean, I guess they would, because they get cracked open. But I would, yeah. But yeah, yeah. Uh, that's my only real experience with party balls.
0: It's amazing that we all know it because they don't exist anymore. Yeah, no,
2: and I don't they think I ever, ever wide actually widespread.
1: had one. My dad used to talk about them all the time. I haven't
2: seen one since I was a kid in the woods. They in the nineties. I haven't seen one
1: in years. An interesting Never question for you guys. Yeah. Why now is Budweiser the most popular beer in America? When in Philadelphia, my father would drink like uh, Schmidt's. <laughs> because those are Pennsylvania beers. <laughs> is that right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so my Stroh's, grandfather drank
0: Strohs, Schmidt's. Um, they're all up from, like, around central Pennsylvania area. Uh, Rolling Rock, also a Pennsylvania yeah. beer. It's from Latrobe. Trobe. Um, so all those are Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania has a long history of brewing. It's my very f- boring around here. You well, need something to do. <laughs> my, my family up in Hazleton during uh, Prohibition and stuff like that, they, um, uh, you know, were uh, bootleggers. That's hmm. all the German Really long influence. time. Well, they were Slovakian, but still yeah. very close, super close to Germany. Bohemian. Touches Germany. Bohemian. Yeah. Yeah. Uh yeah, absolutely. They 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 would brew all the time. I mean, bootlegging is is still a big thing in central Pennsylvania. They still do it. Moonshine's all over the place up there. How about um that? so that's that's why. Also, I think Budweiser bought Miller a few years ago, didn't they?
2: I don't even think Budweiser is American anymore. I think uh InBev bought them a few years back. No shit. And that's like a giant European
1: conglomerate. I, I think, think this This really ties in nicely with everything that we've been talking
0: about. Yeah, just like (laughs) you're welcome, listening audience. (laughs) Appropriation, (laughs) all of it.
2: Inbev, uh, the Belgian brewer Inbev acquired Anheuser Busch in 2008 to create the massive company called Anheuser Busch Inbev. Uh, Wow. Yeah, because Bush. Remember that was its it's own. It's not even an American beer. Yeah, Anheuser Busch renames Budweiser as America. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So it's well
0: not back all the way but yeah close enough wow.
2: interesting yeah they they own everybody <laughs> so that
1: does, that's wild and you get everybody with I'm, a giant american flag and a trump sticker on their car and a budweiser you know, on their it's like yeah it's your, just Shocking <laughs> fucking hypocrisy. All the
2: bankers, <laughs> they all work for the same guy.
0: Yep. All our poll buyers work for the oh same guy. Oh, my God. Guy. I am so mad.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I was having such a good day. <laughs> do, you know who, do you know
2: who owns Disney, Nick? Yeah. We're not going to touch it. All right. Um, Stop it. <laughs> hey, guys, final thoughts? I know that's a I, I When I bartended, uh, there was a certain type of clientele that uh, wanted Budweiser, and they... Uh, Usually weren't the type of clientele that uh folks that like hung out in the bar, right, so I usually just sold six packs, mm-hmm. but it was always maybe at the end of the night when um you know the people that were drinking a bunch of craft beer they wanna cool it down they'd have a Budweiser, and every once in a while i'd i'd uh partake yeah, we'd cool it down, play like the uh Roxanne uh drinking game, and you're not gonna do that with like a nine percent imperial stout. why not do you know the Roxanne drinking game <laughs> no okay, so you listen you put on the police song Roxanne, yeah, and every time he says Roxanne you take a drink. That's a mistake. That's Well, it's a good way to get rid of a whole beer in the <laughs> space of a song. And uh, yeah. for added pleasure, uh, get a shot ready, and you take a shot when he says whoa during the first chorus when you think he's going to say Roxanne again.
0: <laughs> so, <laughs> That's a really good game. Hey, pretty yeah. good. I tried that with shots to uh, We Jammin' by Bob Marley.
1: That's a mistake. We, yes. jammin', we, jammin', we jammin', <laughs> jammin', we jammin', we jammin', we jammin', we <laughs>
0: jammin'. Uh, it was the first time... Oh, you like it was the first time I vomited <laughs> yeah. from drinking. No shit. That was my 14th birthday. Yeah. So, so that's my final thought. Budweiser gets the job done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Check VAR. If you look it up, it will literally send you to BudVAR, which is the original Bud Budweiser. Uh, not so sweet. Not so sugary.
1: Yeah, I, I like this better than Budweiser. I absolutely yeah. do. Yeah. It's, it's more a, of a beer. It's a fine drinking beer. Yep. I have no problems with it. Akin would, to a Pilsner Urkel. Uh, yeah. It has that... I don't even know how to describe the, the back end flavor of this. But it does. It, it sits has, back there, yep.
0: and it's just... I, it's, it's, it's a little maltiness, but it's not like anything... And then it disappears. Yep. It's really nice. On. It,
1: it's nice. Cool. And, and look, you'll enjoy it. Cheers. 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 Excellent. Well done, gents. So... Take us there, Nick. All right. Well, first of all, I would just like to say, if you are interested in us as artists... Daniel, Say tell them what? where they can get your book.
2: Oh, uh, my book, Panic Years, is anywhere books are sold. If you want to do that shopping online and you like really famous uh, stores, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can get them on those. Uh, <laughs> if you have a, a heart and it beats Indiebound, find out where uh, you can
1: find it in your local shop. It's called Panic Years.
0: Yep. Terrific. The site is Indiebound.
1: Bound. Uh, and you can get both of my books, Good Grief, A Novel, and This Distance, a collection of short stories from Maudlin House at MaudlinHouse.net. Um, also, if you're in Portland, I'm at Powell's, so that's fun. Uh, if you're in Philadelphia, a novel idea on Pass Yonk, which is a great place to go. Hey, I'm there, too. Hey, Daniel's there, too. Look yeah, at
2: that. I'm also at a Spire bookcase. Where else are you at, Nick? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: I don't think it was presented as a competition. <laughs> <laughs> you suddenly, you made it into one, you fucker. Anyway um socials beyond that you can check us out <laughs> this check bar really went yeah, to my Jesus. Face. <laughs>
0: long live my people
1: <laughs> um Beyond that, you can find us on social media at facebook.com slash Podcast, on Twitter at Beer, and on Instagram at book.recordbe- book.record.beer. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful afternoon or evening or morning, whenever the hell you're listening to it. But see you later. Thanks a lot.
0: We hope you all find your pearl. <laughs>